Day. <laughs> Nicholas Cage is so weird. <laughs> yep. But what are we talking about first? Uh, we were talking about uh, the fact that this is what we binge. And thanks for all the listeners obsessed with like Squid Game. I'm going to try to keep it clean this time around. But yeah, all you guys that love Squid podcast. Game gave us the first three digit audience podcast we've ever had. Yeah. And it's like by a long shot. We expected 100. And we're like yeah. near 300 listeners because Squid Game is close to being the biggest show on Netflix. And I am very, 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 very surprised. Yeah, we're thinking about like getting, you know, times 10. We're getting close to times 30. <laughs> yeah, this is um, it's pretty cool. not something I expected. So this time around, instead of uh, Squid Game uh, binging, we binged uh, something that I, I think is very Halloween focused. Yes. We binged Nicolas Cage movies. <laughs> Nicolas Cage movies. And it's time for oh. Rumble in the Cage. Willie's <laughs> Wonderland versus Mandy. <laughs> Which is the weirdest. <laughs> dude, dude, I, I, I mean, expected, I, I watched a lot more than, than those movies, uh, Nicolas Cage movies. I really watched a lot of those. Okay, the weird thing about these Nicolas Cage movies, everything that I thought was going to be the weirdest movie was not. Like, mm-hmm. I will bring this up at the end, but I put on one movie as a palate cleanser because I was like, this is more <laughs> ma- mainstream than all these movies that I just watched from Shudder. Mm-hmm. We're not begging for a sponsorship, but we just we watched a lot of Shudder this week. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty so, good. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we, 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 uh, there was a movie I watched that I expected to be a palate cleanser that I knew nothing about that was super popular. And uh, it, it, it didn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, uh, like, Willie's one, like, okay. I, I don't know what to start with. It, it's just like, Let's uh, rumble. 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 Are you ready to rumble? And uh, yeah, it's uh, Mandy. Uh, no, <laughs> actually, Mandy was not the weirdest movie, was not the weirdest Nick Cage movie yeah. uh, that, that I saw this week. I mean, it's, it's full of like a lot of atmosphere. It's very moody, like all the mm-hmm. colors and the lighting, and like right, it's right. immensely cinematic. It's just like the first 10 minutes is just like a really nice viewing experience it's just very really puts you in the mood for that you know you're wondering what is going to go wrong and and uh you know spoilers yeah. as usual some a bunch of you know i guess born they're not really a cult they're like a cult like a christian cult who takes lsd yeah uh, that's the thing like um so we started this wanting to do um we watched a bunch of movies this week and our um yeah. we binged because we're what we binge we binged Nicolas Cage. Movie. We don't need to remind people. Yeah, and we wanted to stay within like the latest batch of like Nicolas Cage movies that came out. Yeah, and yeah. I had no idea he did so much in the past, like what four years, like Kill yeah. Kill Chain and Prisoners of the Ghostland and the upcoming unbearable weight of like massive talent. And yeah, and we, we 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 watched all of that and like um. We landed on Mandy and Willie's Wonderland. Wonderland because they're very yeah. similar. They For both the have to do with Nick Nicholas Cage. Movie, yeah, the yeah, thing is that they both have to do with uh, Nick Cage uh, destroying uh, others for their uh, devilish ways. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, one is, I mean, Willy's Wonderland is like a Chuck E. Cheese right. with possessed demonic animatronic things that kill people or something. Yeah, and Willy's he's Wonderland just a janitor <laughs> and he Willy's, cleans it up. <laughs> Willy's Wonderland, I was ready to believe this was the weirdest Nicolas Cage movie. It was yeah. like we're, we're we're concentrating on Willy's Wonderland versus Mandy, right? And like yeah. Willy's yeah. Wonderland, uh, Nicholas Cage is only in there for like a real, a, a real small amount. Yeah, I mean he he comes in and out, right? Because he's he's very, um, what should I say? He's he's very union, you know, kind of like union break type, you know, guy. Because like every, you know, thirty minutes or so, his Casio alarm starts ringing and he's like okay i'm gonna stop cleaning or killing whatever's trying to kill me and and just play pinball yeah uh, i would have expected <laughs> drink, drink his soda character to have been pinball. like jason statum and like <laughs> if this was a more conventional not rlge films funny yeah. movie because apparently this company is just trying to get the weirdest fucking shit out of nicholas cage as possible yeah i, I wanted yeah. to get this clean sorry you guys but yeah <laughs> it's sort of like thing is like i feel you don't really understand what the hell is going on in the movie and then once you kind of understand what what is actually going on it's very exposition heavy mm-hmm. but then it's sort of weird how like nick cage's character is just weird he just doesn't say anything yeah he just shows up they hire him to clean the place and uh when he gets attacked by these demonic things like he just destroys them and then his watch rings and he goes on a break and plays pinball and then when his break is over he goes back and then returns to you know resumes killing the the machines yeah i just uh, thought it was so funny know. how into pinball he gets yeah movie. he's like he's in the flow like they, they use the same effect like when he's killing the the or when he's destroying the animatronic monsters yeah there's like this there it's just like flares and he's like in this kind of like trance uh, li- you know it's like he's listening to rock at the same time he sort of yeah. gets into this trance like same trance he gets into when he plays pinball yeah. is when he kills and plays pinball like that's the you know that's how he gets into the flow yeah uh, <laughs> and a lot of dumb teenagers man so many dumb teenagers okay so uh started from the beginning uh willie's wonderland why do you because that, that was supposed to be my choice of the weirdest uh nicholas oh King that was supposed movie. to be your choice that was okay, supposed to be my choice but <laughs> you you can you can describe what the plot was of uh, Willy's Wonderland. Yeah. Uh, Willy's Wonderland. Sh- spoilers. Because uh, I can't really tell the plot without spoiling something. <laughs> it's sort of like... Yeah, just give the cliff notes. Yeah, cliff notes. Uh, okay. So Nicolas Cage is a badass who drives a Chevy Camaro. And he shows up in this small town and he needs a job. So they hire him to be the night janitor of a closed restaurant that resembles a Chuck E. Cheese or a Friday night at Freddy's. It's kind of like it's Friday night at Freddy's with Nick Cage. Friday night's Five Nights at Freddy's? Or, or Five Nights at Freddy's, right? Oh, Friday, yeah, yeah. Whatever. They just lost Chris Columbus. So, so sorry, uh, Chris Columbus. Sorry, guys. The, the sorry. Harry sorry, Potter Chris. guy. But yeah, the first and second. Uh, very, uh, he also did Home Alone, which was pretty... I didn't know that until like, a couple of months ago. Yeah. Could have been your first uh, but, family uh, house. But yeah, other than Josie and that, Josie, what was it? The robot one? Even anyway, continue. I can't remember. So, uh, but then like there's this whole, you know, prequel kind of scene 
where uh, the previous janitors were killed by monsters and the only survivor was the child of those of that couple of janitors. And uh, the child has grown up and is a teenager now and now she plans to burn the place down uh, with her friends. So like you have these two worlds colliding, the teenagers and Nick Cage is just trying to do his job. And I guess the third world in there is like the demonic possessed uh, uh, animatronic things. Mm -hmm. And the teenagers, some of them are just horny. So they, you know, uh, have sex in the Chuck E. Cheese playroom and presume like you can guess what happens to them. Uh, Monster shows up, stuff happens. And uh, Nick Cage is the janitor in every sense of the word. He cleans that shit up, cleans it all up and uh including the <laughs> the victims of the, of the yeah. monsters but uh i don't know it, it was just like watching a kind of gratuitous nick cage athon sequence of just him destroying things and having just teenagers and a very dumb sheriff uh mm-hmm. you know i i i rethought the sheriff was really dumb it's like we have to give a sacrifice for the town, otherwise they will attack us. And they're like, just like I recognized her. In an exorcist, I don't know. Like it's a movie. Where was she from? <laughs> it's like it's bothering me that like, like there were a few people in this movie. Like their best like, idea is to give a sacrifice. <laughs> like that's their best idea. Yeah, because like basically they 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 stole. I don't know if they stole, but whatever. It's the whole Chucky thing where, yeah. like, the souls of the murderers or the weird. Yeah, it was like a workers. satanic cult that owned yeah. that worked at the at Willy's Wonderland right. when it was a big thing. Yeah. Uh, before they got they got caught by the cops, they did a satanic ritual and killed themselves so mm-hmm. that they would you know be resurrected in some way. Right, right, and right. so they're resurrected in the animatronic band that mm-hmm. played on the stage of uh, Willy's Wonderland. Yeah. And so like every night they come out and feast on souls or flesh. I, I'm not really sure they don't really explain it. Right. So it's either they just kill people and I'm not sure if they actually eat whatever, mm-hmm. like, you know, vampires or something, but they, yeah. I guess they just suck souls or something. I don't know. It's, it doesn't make a lot of sense, even for a horror movie. But um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's just like the plot did not make any sense mm-hmm. from a, even from a fantasy point of view. <laughs> Yeah, the, 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 the plot was basically like <laughs> if you took um, Chucky, the idea of like yeah. the souls of horrible people taking over something childlike. In this case, you're taking over like animatronics at like a Chuck E. Cheese kind of place, like a, what mm-hmm. was it called? Showtime Pizza, like that mm-hmm. kind of place. And then you put the Punisher in there in the form of Nick Cage. And he yeah. just like, it's a slasher movie with the teenagers because the teenagers are the workers. Yeah. They're the they're the ones getting slashed and trying to figure out in the movie. It's a slasher movie yeah. with, in that sense. And then all of a sudden you have the Nick Cage Punisher just show yeah. up. And he doesn't talk throughout the whole movie. Yeah, That's what makes it weird because he's known for the way he reads lines. But yeah. whoever made this movie decided we're going to give him no lines. We're going to make him play pinball for no reason and hump yeah. the pinball machine and get really yeah, into he, it. He really... Uh gets into the pinball machine <laughs> he just made grunts throughout the whole movie like, rrr, 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 for like no and he gets a high score and, and then he just goes like yeah, yeah. Like, uh, got the high score yeah. but yeah i don't know it, it's uh yeah i can nitpick this movie all, all day long but it, it's really like i think mandy similarly nick cage doesn't say much he just screams and yeah. uh, says a few lines that are pretty badass yeah but the plot actually makes sense yeah uh 
yeah, it's actually it's a tale of revenge uh, on these. Uh, I keep wanting to call them Satanists, but they're actually like a cult that is actually believes in Jesus. And, yeah, uh, but I mean, in the LSD fueled version of Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> it's like they, like they were on all the bad trip. Uh, and this isn't like oddly state straightforward movie like everything that needs to move the plot along happens like one two one two because the other movies we're going to talk about have a lot of nuance and david lynch weirdness to it but like 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 style of weirdness but for this one it was very much like nick cage the learner comes to a town the town is haunted they kill the kids and he fucking fucks everybody up and then he saves yeah but essentially like the kids actually want to save him like and really want because they want to burn the place down and then the girl who's i guess the main one of like one of the main the main teenager right uh she's like no we can't burn it down with the janitor still in there we have to save him Hmm. and then she's like i'll go in there you guys stay here and then like she doesn't come back like you know five minutes later so like oh let's go in and then of course they all die but uh <laughs> yeah. you know she told you to stay out guys <laughs> yeah i think i've said this on the podcast before but i hate horror movies with dumb characters who just like oh i'll just go here and you know and then, oh, this uh, movie was like it, it nobody you know. told me what this was and if the advertising for this movie was different i would have thought it was a parody of mm. like horror movies yeah. in general <laughs> It's like a mashup, but like a not very good mashup of uh, Chuck E. Cheese and uh, Chucky. Yeah. <laughs> and this came, this movie came out around the time like the Banana Splits slasher movie came out. And I, I think there was another one from Blumhouse that came out on mm. Hulu. So there yeah. was like this whole trend for a while of animatronic kid things coming to life and like slashing people. And yeah. even the Child's Play remake. And the reason was always all over the place. Was it technology? Was it the spirit of blink, blink, blink? But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Things like, uh, you know, looking at Mandy, like, it, you just feel like there was a serious vision behind Mandy. Right. And, and it was sort of like, you know, the, the guy, uh, I, can't remember, I think his name is Panos... Um, something very very greek name uh mm-hmm. but uh he, you can tell that he had a serious vision for like mandy even though you see nick cage kind of losing his shit in his yeah. underwear yeah. uh drinking vodka and go like ah, oh, oh, and just like you know wait first off did you would you consider mandy the weirdest nicholas cage movie you saw uh no <laughs> okay so before we go into the weirdest one um because this was supposed to be willie's wonderland versus mandy what was mandy actually about mandy is about uh a lumberjack played by nicholas cage and his wife mandy and uh their lives get impacted by uh, an unfortunate meeting with this cult uh Mm -hmm. who are uh who follow this guy who's sort of like converts people by giving them lsd Mm -hmm. and uh, he sees mandy in the street and uh, wants to uh, take her as his uh, wife or you know i guess co-leader or whatever because she's special or something like that yeah i can't i can't stop thinking about her and you know but like you know the guy who plays the cult leader is uh, bruce wayne's dad in uh, batman begins 
So, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God, that was. That was. Because that there was, was another person from that from Batman Begins that yeah. I recognized. But yes, the guy you're yes, talking about, Joe Chill. I, Joe Chill is also in this movie. Um, okay, whose penis do we see? Was it Joel Chill's or was it it's, Thomas uh, Wayne's? It's uh, Thomas Wayne's penis <laughs> that, that we see. Holy <laughs> fuck, this movie's weird. Okay. Continue. okay well okay depends like what you mean by weird because i felt like everything kind of made sense in that world right. mm -hmm. but uh the world is very so it feels like an acid trip because like colors like you know some frames will be filled with red or blues or yellows or you know it will just be like unrealistic things there's like whoa right. and whenever some guy brings out some knife like there are green lights that shine on the knife as if it was some kind of like berlin nightclub or something and, and uh you know you can tell that the budget wasn't huge but i think it plays in it it plays in the movie's favor because it kind of gives right. it that kind of lsd type trip you know thing and uh you know so the you know mandy doesn't get into it and spoilers uh they they uh they uh, sh should i say what happens to mandy uh yeah sure so they, they put her in a sack, tie her on some kind of, you know, tree thing, and then they burn her yeah. uh, in front of Nick Cage, who's tied with barbed wire yeah. uh, around his wrists. And they put barbed wire in the, like around his head. So it like it, you know, gags his mouth. Yeah. Uh, basically yeah. everything up to that part, Nicolas Cage doesn't do much. And it's like yeah. a straightforward, a yeah. disturbing horror movie in the vein of maybe yeah. like Midsummer or a lot of like 70s horror movies. It's yeah, very... I mean, Midsummer before it gets weird. <laughs> yeah. It's like ev everything up to Nick Cage having like a more prominent part in the movie. It's like, it's like if A24, if the Safdie brothers took the aesthetic of good time, and like mm -hmm. applied it to a horror, horror movie and that horror movie was was um was directed by like the guy that did hereditary and uh midsummer it's yeah. like up until that point i was like this is probably one of the best most disturbing aesthetically horror mo aesthetic horror yeah. movies that i've seen and i was enjoying it because like i haven't seen something like that yeah probably ever honestly yeah. The, the filmmaker's name, I, I just looked it up. It's uh, Panos Cosmatos. And uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you could really tell that he had a clear vision about what he wanted to do with this movie. And so like Nick Cage, uh, his craziness is kind of toned down. He just sort of like, I think is I want Nick Cage to do, to kill all these people after what they did. Like that's right. what you want as a viewer. Right. And, and uh you know, but then you you see there's like a biker version of the of the four horsemen of the apocalypse kind of yeah. thing, and there are some you know nods to seven, for example, like one of the horsemen like you know fucks a guy to death or something, or you, you only yeah. see the results because he's wearing a blade uh, where his penis should be. Mm -hmm. So you kind of oh well, that's kind of like what they did in seven, you know, <laughs> and um, you know, and they're all high on some really bad LSD. And so they believe yeah. that they're like also you know, like midsummer because yeah. basically when it gets fucked up, that's when I like, yeah that's when they're drinking that really, that lemonade yeah, yeah. they <laughs> they didn't drink the Kool Aid they drank the lemonade uh, right. but it's it's uh, but at least what's cool I think what's enjoyable about Mandy is really Nicolas Cage 
you know, punishing uh, the the wicked. And I yeah. think that's uh, sort of, uh, I feel like that's why they hired him to do Willy's Wonderland because Willy's Wonderland was done after Mandy. Oh, it's kind of a very yeah. similar type of thing where it's uh, Nicolas Cage does beating the crap out of people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, not only people, of course, like the animatronic, you know, demon things yeah. but uh it's it's just um it's the same vibe but mandy did it better but then yeah i don't know like weird uh hmm i guess mandy's weirder but you know i think like if this were a debate of like which is the best the better movie mandy yeah. wins for sure Dude, mandy was i the the thing that i was like glad but at the same time upset about because I knew we were going to record this podcast, right? Was that I walked into this looking for the weirdest Nicolas Cage movies. Yeah. And I walked out seeing some of the best horror movies I've seen in a long time. Yeah. Like yeah. Mandy is by far, like, I want to see more movies like Mandy because um, yeah. the entire, if you're a fan of Evil Dead, I'll just say the entire at least half hour is like, bruce campbell getting his retribution in mm-hmm. evil dead 2 like or like even like evil dead 3 like army of darkness when he starts to like it's like it gets into that campy mode but it's like in a way that's so endearing and it's like i i like when there's some comeuppance at the end like it to me like even though in real life like you might not have that come up it's in real life i like it when in movies there's actually an attempt to you know lighten things up and it's a pretty yeah. disturbing movie until yeah. and i think this is why they hired nick cage they had nick cage basically be the punisher for essentially yeah. <laughs> basically fashions of medieval fancy ass acts out of nowhere that kind of like, came out of nowhere right that, that mean, came he, out of he, nowhere so he much. does a kind of like cling on uh you know battle axe or something <laughs> yeah he, he makes he, for, for some fucking reason he makes a battle axe <laughs> And he kills all the bad guys with the battle axe. Yeah, to it's me, also I'm a like, spear, I think. <laughs> yeah. I think the handle is a spear and there's there's an axe head at the, the tip. Dude, he's like there's John a, Wick yeah. with the medieval fantasy battle axe in the end. Yeah. And because it's like Nick's change, because it's um, Nicholas Nick Cage, Cage. Nicholas Cage yeah. it's like it just adds that extra bit of levity to it. Like I remember one time I mentioned like Sam Rockwell, sometimes his presence bring, brings some uh, levity to like a situation. And I, I thought that it was smart to hire Nicholas Cage to basically be like mm-hmm. the guy to, you know, yeah, cut through all of them. And well, be like, the one have like, you, have you read, I think you sent me an article about, I think it was a Nick Cage interview or, or maybe someone else sent it to me, but you know, he talks about all the recent movies he's done, like Pig and uh, yeah, you know, what's had, the last one with the explosives on his shirt? I can't remember. I don't know. He's, he's had a four-year about stint so far of just yeah. doing these weird low-budget movies. He, he's, a, he's a big fan of Kabuki. Uh, if you know what... what uh, I'll explain quickly what Kabuki is, but like Kabuki is this Japanese style of theater that's very over-the-top. Like if you're fans of Naruto... For example, like there's a lot of kabuki elements in there, especially with certain characters being like, I am the great sage of whatever, you know, it's yeah. sort of like that kind of uh, 
if you're interested in Kabuki, I would recommend looking for Kabuki Cool on YouTube. They kind of explain everything. I, I'm a big fan of Kabuki, but uh, that that's I, because it's I've never seen a live performance of Kabuki, but just like seeing it is so surreal and a different type of theater because like most, I mean, we all know that theater is different from movie and from movies where like you have to be a bit more over the top for people to actually hear you from the other side of the theater right mm -hmm. so we were like oh i feel so sad you know it's like you know <laughs> stuff like that but like in in kabuki is just guys with these immensely like um <clears throat> elaborate costumes uh you know they might be playing samurai or sumo wrestlers or or even you know magical thieves or even monsters and they have a whole color code thing with it and when I heard Nick Cage was like, I use my kabuki elements of acting, I was like, well, that's where all the, oh, you know, the yeah. crazy screaming that he does yeah. in half of his movies. Uh, yeah. I think that's where his head is at. And I was like, okay, now I, I kind of get it a bit more, even though it's still weird. Uh, yeah, no, I think like, <laughs> I think it doesn't work when there's a movie that's made that almost feels like they're trying to take advantage of Nicolas Cage's Nicholas Cage's weirdness like yeah. if they're trying to make the movie weird and and use Nicholas Cage to like basically up the weirdness or like to play into the joke then like the movie doesn't really work that way because the two movies we talked about so far with Willy's Wonderland and Mandy yeah he really wasn't the weirdest part of those movies no. I expected no. it but it was the plot that was kind of over the top <laughs> <laughs> and it was kind of like yeah. the aesthetics and the way things play out that was over the top and even movies like another movie we saw this week was color out of space where yeah they yeah. had him read a few lines like it was weird he like, yeah it was his it's shining you, but you can feel i don't know it felt like either they gave him the license to be weird or it was sort of him his character because his character does go a bit crazy by the end of the movie and okay. uh I don't know if it's if it was the effect of because uh, like color out of space is like the movie is about this uh, meteorite that falls down next to um, Nick Cage's house and Nick Cage has a family and like he has a um, like two sons one daughter he has a wife who has cancer and this thing falls down from the sky and creates colors and you know and and uh, and all that stuff and like after that kind of lands everything kind of goes to shit because he has this alpaca business for some reason it's like alpacas yeah <laughs> uh, it's like like his kids keep disrespecting the alpacas like alpacas were a great investment okay and <laughs> it's like yeah. the future the, yeah. the incas were right and <laughs> you're like uh okay nick cage uh but uh so like everyone kind of turns there's like some weird radiation because like okay the, the movie is based on a short story by hp lovecraft yeah and uh to your point before about like having a kind of you know more uplifting ending about having you know nick cage beat the crap out of a bunch of bad guys yeah uh this is the opposite of that oh, and yeah. um you know hp lovecraft is not known for having good endings or happy endings yeah uh it's sort of like batch it happens to normal people and that's the story yeah no now i want to read more hp lovecraft because like i don't even think i really knew who he was until a few years ago it was like a name that was tossed around mm -hmm. here and there if i was around more like intellectual 
our two people. But yeah, after watching <laughs> like, you know, the first episode of Lovecraft Country, which technically kind of took a shit on him, but at the mm. same time, the concepts that were in that and the monsters, I was like, what is this? And after watching Color Out of Space, like mm. that's putting in my head, like who was H.P. Yeah. Lovecraft? Like, well, yeah, I, I think, well, the thing is like the whole Lovecraft Country thing was um, because like H.P. Lovecraft was apparently an, an avowed, uh, outspoken racist. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, the fact that they took inspiration from from his stories and created a, a diverse TV show, yeah, uh, sort of like you know brings it to a new generation in a way uh, because you know you, there there are some cool elements about H.P. Lovecraft that people love, yeah. But I, I think some people have uh, it's hard for people to kind of dissociate the the stories from from who the guy was, yeah but like just hearing his name brought up over the years and even knowing that Jordan Peele and uh, Guillermo del Toro wanted to make At the Mountains of Madness into a movie mm-hmm. like I I'm not gonna like to be honest like H.P. Lovecraft unless you're in a certain group he's not exactly the most mainstream person but he is one of those people that like all your favorite filmmakers bring up not even just at for his work but for kind of like his points of view and people wanting to like dissect it. And he was not like the greatest person on earth, but yeah, he was know, kind of he an did, asshole actually. No, he was kind of an asshole, but I mean, like, just in I, his personal life, he no, was a like, weirdo. Yeah, exactly. But when I saw the <laughs> monsters and the way things played out in Lovecraft country and yeah. now seeing a full movie based on his work, which I can say is probably one of the best sci-fi movies I've seen. One of the yeah. best lower budget sci-fi movies it's just putting it my, to my head, like, who is this guy? You know, yeah. like, I expected going into this being, like, some Nicolas Cage weird fest. And it's like they took, they made his weirdness an asset to this because it was like The Shining, but incorporating the ticks of, like, Nicolas Cage. But everything yeah. that happened, and it's not like an entire, it's not, Colorado Space wasn't entirely hard to understand. It was like, there's a lot of colors that are coming from outer space, a lot of like magentas and blues. And once yeah. that magenta and blue hits you, you know, it affects your DNA. It makes you grotesque. And it's like, it's pretty easy to yeah. understand, but the way it was played out was like, it was like, it was good. It, it, it might've made mm. me a shutter customer for life for all I know. But <laughs> no, but it was really, you know, it really kind of whatever themes that I know about Lovecraft and uh, I've, I've never read a Lovecraft story, but, you know, uh, there's a very interesting documentary about Lovecraft on uh, prime video and they actually interviewed, uh, you know, Guillermo uh, del Toro and, and uh, other horror movie uh, specialists, should I say. And, uh, you know, they talk about how most of his stories have to do with normal people facing um, you know, incredible power from outer space or from, uh, you know, th- there's this whole, and they're like Easter eggs in the whole movie. They have the Necronomicon, which is kind of a big thing in the Lovecraft world. And, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of like uh, overwhelming power meets humanity. And uh, the family couldn't do anything. And uh, they become subservient and to, to this color uh and thing is like you know the human brain cannot fathom 
the immensity of this alien because yeah. they're so advanced. Like that's the thing about Lovecraft. It's like you can't imagine how horrific or crazy amazing these aliens are because yeah. they're you know huge fucking beings. Mm-hmm. And uh, but there there is a moment in the movie where one of the characters like touches something and has a kind of vision right. of the world that the color is from, and it's very you know it's all about mood i think all these like uh i mean mandy as well was very uh you know about setting a a specific mood and of unease yeah and and uh i think color out of space more than mandy because mandy you do do feel like oh i'm rooting for this guy to kill all these people uh but uh lovecraft you're like ah this isn't going well yeah. And, uh, you know, half of the stuff you're not really supposed to understand because we're, you know, poor um, little humans. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we're, we're not advanced enough to understand the immensity of the color. And, <laughs> and what's cool, uh, yeah, it's cool. But, you know, uh, by the end, when everything ends, like the color has gone and it's all white. Mm-hmm. It's all black and white. I thought that was pretty cool. It's kind of cin- cinematic trick. Because yeah. like the the whole thing the whole movie is filled with colors and you know magentas and whatever especially pink and magenta, and then when it kind of volume implodes, right. and it's all turned to white ash, and dust or something. And it's all like black and white. Yeah. And uh, the colors gone, sort of. I I I think I don't know maybe. Gone, yeah. Maybe like it's, it's hiding. <laughs> <laughs> for color out of space too yeah. um, <laughs> please don't make color out of space too oh, <laughs> but uh i don't know to me the weirdest movie to the weirdest nicholas cage movie for me to see not because it's weird because it was weird for me to watch it was national treasure on uh, disney plus it was see, so weird see, to see nicholas cage act like a normal person see that uh, that was the <laughs> first movie not the first <laughs> but i was introduced through nicholas cage through his more like conventional stuff like mm-hmm. this week i watched family not uh like the family man that's more of a christmas mm-hmm. movie with and um what else uh national treasure yeah. i think i saw that oh yeah i did see national treasure too and like yeah. ghost rider clearing his family's name yeah. yeah so i was used to him being normal but i think uh ghost rider might have been the first movie that yeah. Like when I rewatched it, I'm like, oh yeah, that's when I started to kind of like sense that okay, this guy yeah. is um, like <laughs> basically he's normal throughout the mo- whole movie until he's on fire, becoming Ghost Rider for the first time, and he starts laughing, and something about his laugh it's, told um, me like um, it's strange. This guy is, um, uh, <laughs> yeah, something. Something. <laughs> I mean, uh, have you seen the Ghost Rider from uh, Agent Agents of Shield? Yeah, because uh, uh, later on they replace um, what's his name, Johnny Blaze, with uh, uh, the, his name is. yeah the latest iteration of uh, he doesn't drive a bicycle. Uh, I mean, a motorcycle. He drives a car. Yeah, uh, but like when he turns, it's like it's painful because his skin is burning off, and Nick Cage is like, ah, I'm loving my skin being burnt off, <laughs> you know, and they're like, face. okay, yeah, <laughs> why not? <laughs> why not? Uh, I also saw Honeymoon in Vegas and you could tell that like he won an Academy Award for that movie apparently and he was weird cage at certain points because like you know his fiance uh uh what's her name uh Sarah Michelle Gellar yeah in the movie 
uh, like he lost a lot of money in Vegas. So like right. the owner of the casino says, Hey, let me hang out with your fiance. Yeah. For like a couple of days or something. Yeah. And um, you know, the casino guys like are, or like a, he's not a casino owner, but he's like a, I guess a mobster uh, played by uh, James Khan. And um, you know, and when he realizes that Savishal Geller is going to go off for like a short trip to Hawaii uh you know he sort of loses his shit and every time he loses his shit that's when you see like kind of peak weird cage right. in a normal movie it's like oh no oh, oh you know it's kind of like uh you know uh that movie where he thinks he turns into a vampire it kind oh, of like vampire's the same kiss. vibe vampire's kiss kind of similar vibes like yeah. a b c d e f g yeah, yeah so <laughs> it's not so hard to file the files and <laughs> see, uh, the weirdest nicholas cage movies are always like Cause like this recent batch of like Nicolas Cage movies with like Prisoners of Ghostland and all of that is like the problem is that it's almost like I don't know if it was intended, but it's designed to take advantage of Nicolas Cage's weirdness. And like Nicolas Cage, it works when you just make a straight movie and just let him just do his thing in there. Like yeah. even in Fast Times of Ridgemont High, he's just supposed to be like a regular guy in the background. But when you see him, it's like <laughs> Nicholas. It's like it's, it's things like it's it's hard not to see Nick Cage when he's yeah. in a movie. It's just it's it's hard not to think like okay, he's playing a character. You know, yeah. it's like Chris Hemsworth. You say, oh, it's Thor. You know, it's like a less like, refined Johnny Depp. It's like yeah, Johnny Depp so, knows oh, how to Johnny like, Depp. <laughs> yeah, but he knows how to take those mannerisms and create like a, a compelling character out of it that's yeah. believable. Nick Cage is just Nick Cage. I, I think very... Johnny Depp, yeah, what's weird, like, when he's acting, he seems awkward. Like, he, he's like, you know, the, there'll be moments when it's like... the, the, the awkward, of the movie. It's, it, it's within the context of the movie. And when you see him outside of, you know, he's sort of like, a, yeah, I'm Johnny Depp, I'm uh, relaxed. Yeah. You know, you know, um, you know people asking questions, like, he, it's like he's not listening. It's like, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> That's not how Johnny Depp sounds. I don't think how, like he has a very deep voice, like very deep. You know, a lot of uh, yeah, actors yeah. in real life, I notice, have a deep voice in real life and then they're light in the movies yeah. or other way around. Like yeah. it's like they're deep in the movies and stuff. Like John Carlo Esposito, like his mm -hmm. voice is really deep and stoic, and especially yeah. in his age now. But like yeah. if you see the behind the scenes stuff, it's like, oh come on, man. Ah. Like, oh man, I want it, to explode that time. And, yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> oh, whoa, okay. It's like him and John Bernthal are like in that same category. It's like, yeah, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. No, but like uh, Nick Cage has the best whispery voice. Like he's 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 in oh. the. It's like I'm I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. Like he's not even moving his lips. Like he just says like I'm going to show you. Then he walks away. You know. Right. <laughs> it's like steal the Declaration of Independence. What are you talking about, Nick Cage? Yeah. Uh, but uh, the weirdest movie. The weirdest movie. The weirdest movie. Oh god, I can't believe we saw this. I can't What's, believe what what is it called? <laughs> this was a big movie. And a I expected I expected, movie. I expected this movie to be a uh palette, palette cleanser from mm -hmm. like Color Out of Space and Mandy and Willy's Wonderland, all of those movies. I, this was supposed to be like, let me put on a mainstream movie so that I can like, you know, just go back to normal of what movies are supposed to be. Turns out this is one of the weirdest movies I've seen ever. And um, it's a movie that I always saw in Walmart for $7. Yeah. 
right in front of me. And I thought it was straightforward until I saw it. Um, Face off. <laughs> I was waiting. What in the hell was this off. movie? What Face the off. fuck happened? What it's... was this movie? <laughs> so, okay. So th- this is coming from a guy that really didn't know anything about Face Off prior to seeing it this past week, except that John Travolta and Nicolas Cage was in it. Nobody told me it was literally about taking their faces off and putting it on each other's head. I mean, I knew that. I didn't, uh, I, I, didn't know. I hadn't seen the movie. I haven't seen the movie until this week. I thought it was them facing uh, off, but like two I, I famous that, yeah. actors facing off. Yeah. It was literally. Yeah. <laughs> no, the only thing I knew is uh, the face exchange, and I didn't know how that would work right. and why. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, why would you exchange faces? Um, and uh, the second thing I knew is that scene where he's dressed as a priest and fondles a, a choir singer. Was, was that his daughter the, the, or was that somebody else? Uh, with somebody else, but he does like a crazy okay. face. It's like, oh, you know, like. Um... <laughs> See, I I kind of understood the whole Nicolas Cage weird stereotype that mm-hmm. it was like, oh, they're just picking out his mannerisms. Like with Christopher mm-hmm. Walken, it's like that, that, that. And it's like, oh, but he's serious in his movies. I hey, didn't understand it at 100% hey. until I saw the first <laughs> 10 minutes of Face Off. <laughs> I did not expect him to shake his head and dance and like do that little shimmy thing and then like there's a whole shimmy thing and then he talks to the girl and he's like (laughs) (laughs) it's like he just uh forgive me listeners it's like he just like you know came in his pants Uh, (laughs) no if if you are a mainstream (laughs) movie viewer and you've never seen face off before this is going to be your entryway into like weird oh god when he humps that girl and goes Oh, in the first yeah, 10 minutes. I think I installing like, the bomb installing the bomb was the fluffer. Right. And then uh <laughs> joining the choir was was when he he came to completion. Yeah. <laughs> it's his meme face. I didn't know this is that's where it came from. Face. I didn't know that this movie was where it came from. And oh it, 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 it doesn't even gradually go into it. The first part of that movie is just him. Yeah, fucking dancing like crazy and going. Oh. <laughs> I mean, kudos to those guys because John Travolta. You know, after they switch faces, <clears throat> John Travolta plays the weirdo, uh, the weird villain. Yeah, uh, technically, and he he also plays a weird guy pretty well. Uh, yeah. But but it's sort of like there's even when Nicolas Cage is playing the the uh, cop who's supposed to be the the good guy. Yeah. Um, and uh, he just realizes that uh, Nick Cage has, uh, you know, the villain has taken his face. Right. Uh, and he, you know, they meet in prison and uh, mm-hmm. they have a kind of a face off. Um, mm-hmm. You know, even then he's just so like, he wants to kill the guy and like yeah. <laughs> holds him down. He can't even say the word die in a normal way. Yeah. <laughs> Holds down John Travolta. It was like, yeah. <laughs> he does that like how many times in this movie? He did it at least twice because he does it at the end when he harpoons John Travolta to death. He uh, harpoons <laughs> a harpoon like for whales. That's at think, the end of this movie. What is happening? I, I think it's just for like underwater fishing or something, you know, one of those harpoon guns. Yeah. Where like, uh, 
and uh, I don't know, but like crazy reflexes though, because the the, the villain also holds the the elastic back yeah. to stop the harpoon from from uh, you know hitting him, and is like I'm gonna cut your face, and then he cuts his own face because it's the other guy's face. Yeah, and in the end, uh, he does get harpooned. Okay, um, so so basically. <laughs> <laughs> okay so for those of you oh who God. haven't seen face off uh face off is basically about john travolta plays a cop who yes. has it it's like basically like his whole company and like a lot of oh, people including his son get assassinated they get assassinated in the beginning of yeah. the movie by yeah. like nicholas cage's people he's the bad guy yeah and so they in order to i guess stop a bomb from blowing up the government or somebody does they, they do or like a weird agency they do a procedure where yeah. they put nick they put nicholas cage's bad guy face on john travolta john so travolta. that he can go undercover and do what he needs to do but then mm-hmm. when um nicholas cage the actual nicholas cage comes back to life yeah like uh, he, he awakes from his coma and he's uh-huh. like i need a face so i can go out back out into the world and do my thing yeah. and go after this guy so he puts on john travolta's extra face that's on the side yeah i mean it's not an extra face it's just his face that was left in a tube or something yeah and uh you know he wakes up without a face and then he mm-hmm. touches his face you know but like i you know they, they treated the the part where he doesn't have his face pretty tastefully i guess like because you don't see yeah. full-on like you see reflections of it and someone's glasses or something yeah uh but then like all the people who knew that john travolta's character had this procedure done to you know go undercover right. uh he burns them to death uh nicholas cage like the villain burns them to death because like oh no one knows who's who now and uh um you know <laughs> this is me just nitpicking but you know they cut down they they cut john travolta's hair so it looks like nick cage's hair how do they yeah. grow nick cage's hair for it to I be the know, same, <laughs> the same like, in like in like two hours they didn't even like adjust their bodies to like fit each other so i don't this whole yeah. movie was like here they actually added fat on on nick cage's body for him to look like john travolta let me read you some notes yeah let me read you some notes i have from this movie uh jared leto stole his joker laugh from nick cage in the face off yeah uh face off wins this feels like an interdimensional cable brick and morty thing Mm -hmm. uh it feels lol like a movie adult swim would play at one in the morning if it wasn't promoted as some huge action movie with huge names and jared leto stole his joker laugh from nick cage Mm -hmm. because like he does some weird laughing yeah you wrote that twice (laughs) yeah the jared leto thing (laughs) the jared jared leto thing was like "Ah, ah, yeah ah." It's like listening to a sea lion going like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> or maybe yes. an emperor penguin, maybe, but uh, it's because uh, he has the tuxedo. But, yes. uh, <laughs> but no, actually, Jared Leto's Joker doesn't wear a tuxedo. Like he wears a, he doesn't wear, you know, coattails or whatever. Yeah. He's got, uh, he doesn't wear a shirt, just wears tattoos. He's just a, I don't know. He is the, I mean, Joker isn't supposed to be a quote unquote normal person, but uh, what they did with Jared Leto was just 
out of this world in a in a not so good way. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think most people agree, but I don't want to be that guy. I was like, oh shit. And <laughs> it was like, uh, oh, he's he arranged all the knives yeah. in his hotel room. And then we're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a knife angel because like he's you know, like a sad, no, like, like a like, snow uh, angel or something with when knives. It, when it comes to weirdness in a movie, like I don't know what it is, but like it nothing, it doesn't happen the way you want it when that's your intention. Like originally for this this episode, I wanted to just review the latest batch of like Nicolas Cage movies with like Pig and Kill Chain and all yeah. of that and just do that. But it's like, it's all movies that came out with the expectation that Nicolas Cage was going to be what we know him to be. And turns out the weirdest ones are were the ones that were intended to be straight movies, like a straight yeah. action movie and stuff. And he's literally just there. Yeah, it's sort of like, um i well the, the the filmmaking is also a bit weird like he's in a high security prison where they all have metal boots or something <laughs> yeah with magnets i think yeah. or is it just that the boots are heavy so they can't run away uh and it's, it's very, on a platform prison very, in the middle of the ocean it's very sam raimi in some ways like i didn't know john woo was like like john woo is and like part of part of like uh I guess very like, 90s oh early 2000s that, that's what I thought yeah. yeah and it's like in the 90s was like I want to say one of the first times but it was like one of those times in history where there was a serious um which I this is what I think is going to happen again in the 2020s but there was like a serious effort to meld the, the cinematic styles of like east and west there was a serious like understanding of okay we are two powerhouses if we don't work together then one is going to take over the other in media so how do we like meld each other together and face off felt like it, it felt like the attempt of having like i would say like chinese style in like incorporating that into like a western movie you know like the over-the-top expressions and like the quick cuts and all of that and that's the same Daddy? way as die. <laughs> and like I was telling Raph earlier, like even though I'm, <laughs> even though I'm supposed to be like the Asian guy on the podcast and stuff, it's like we, I, I really didn't grow up with a lot of like Asian cinema and stuff. And I'm starting to see the connections more now, like what each, I guess, what everybody is trying to do when they're trying to like melt styles. Like Face Off for me, it's very clear that they're trying to take the over-the-topness of a lot of like Eastern action movies and apply it to like a Western setting. And just it, just the fact that it was John Travolta and Nicolas Cage, I, was, yeah. I don't know. A lot of people love this movie as like a straightforward movie, but for me, I had like the greatest laugh fest. You know, yeah. it was weird. My mom actually got really into it. Like, mm -hmm. and to me, it was like, an example of like what movies needed to be like from then on it needs to be attention getting it needs to not worry about if it's straightforward or more in line with parody it it the, like the name of the game like from then on out was like engagement especially now yeah so in well, that like sense the, this movie did everything to keep me watching <laughs> Yeah. Well, they they really set up the the rivalry really well because like the first five minutes of the movie explains why John Travolta hates Nicolas Cage. Yeah. 
uh, and it's because uh, Nicolas Cage was trying to assassinate John Travolta's character, mm-hmm. and in so doing, uh, like he, you know, was a sniper and he shot John Travolta, but by doing so, the bullet went through John Travolta and killed John Travolta's son, right. and that's like the first. So you get why John Travolta is really invested. And stopping Nicolas Cage and catching this guy because, like, he caused the death of his, you know, five-year-old son or something. Yeah. Uh, So I think it really set. Like, if I just started with weird Cage uh, putting a bomb and fondling a choir singer, uh, you wouldn't get the rivalry that well. Like, the you, I wouldn't feel as invested. Yeah. Because you know you want to be. Oh, this guy's a real asshole. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you can tell, but like. But he killed that guy's son. You know, it's 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 like that South Park moment. It's like he took his dog. You know, it's it's uh, it's that moment. It's like, oh, he's like he did that to that person. Like, I want right. this other person to stop him. Uh, you know. Yeah, and I'm looking. Um, yeah, and I'm looking yeah. at these movies now, and like, okay, so even though John Woo was born uh, in China, I would say his. Um, I, I mean, we can go into it, but it's like um, his style came up more from like the Hong Kong style. And I guess the Hong Kong style is kind of like where a lot of action movies started to kind of like, like Eastern style action movies started to kind of like find its own, was from like that Hong Kong style of cinema and like face off, pretty sure there's some um, exit, like articles of this, but yeah, it felt, it, it very much felt like, you know, this attempt to like meld the East and the West, you know? Yeah, didn't John Woo do Mission Impossible 2? Uh, yep. Oh, man, like to me, that was the worst of the Mission Impossibles. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it was one of the most visual. I think it was the first time wh- where we saw Tom Cruise, like how crazy Tom Cruise is about st- stunts. Like that was the first time because he yeah. climbed a wall somewhere in the Grand Canyon or something without a rope or anything. And that was present. Oh, he actually did that. Like it wasn't a stud guy. Yeah. And that was the beginning of Tom Cruise, crazy stunt guy. I wonder um, if Tom Cruise was ever offered face off because this seems like this is like right in his wheelhouse. Yeah, I don't know. This weirdness. Yeah. Well, maybe they they didn't want him to play a villain because he has to play a villain during part of the movie, right? So maybe it was part of his branding. Like I think until Collateral, he was always the good guy. Mm. and after collateral and uh i guess like tropic thunder he also plays an asshole in that movie but uh the first time he plays a villain is really collateral like a heartless killer and i think before then maybe it's the whole branding thing you know like actors brand themselves as being one thing or the other yeah and um i think back then it was a lot more important than nowadays like i feel like nowadays you see actors doing a lot of different stuff and i think they're better for it yeah, but uh, you know, back in the day, it was like, oh, Tom Cruise is the guy who does the action movies. I, th- I think he's still the guy who does the action movies. Yeah, but you usually think of him as the protagonist, mm-hmm. and maybe him being like both a good and bad guy in Face Off maybe didn't meld. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I-, I was surprised by how well the switch was. You know, John Travolta and Nicolas Cage, like they can both play heroes and villains in the same movie yeah well i mean like they're 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 both known for being a little over the top like john yeah. travolta a little bit more like i guess rhythmish and dancey like come on what the you know and like nick cage is a little bit more like 
Uh-huh. you know <laughs> i mean yeah i feel like <laughs> john travolta is more graceful as the villain yeah <laughs> there's a moment where he folds his jacket and diffuses the his yeah. own bomb yeah uh to act like the hero and everything but it's I mean, yeah I but you're, you're talking to a guy that grew up with staying alive on loop because staying like alive. we like the like the whole movie come on man why don't you give me a break Come on, bit, bit, bit. <laughs> like very, very bouncy. Like yeah. John Travolta is very bouncy. Nicholas Cage is very much like you're starting a lawnmower. Like, yeah. like you see, like <laughs> he's more of a rocker. You know, he's not a he's not a disco type. He's more, yeah. Of a, yes. so he's more of a hard rocker type. Yeah, because <clears throat> he's, he's, he's banging his head. You know, he's a headbanger. You know, like <laughs> you know, and then you know when he's dressed as that Monsignor or whatever. Yeah. I try okay, I didn't tell you this, but I tried to watch The Wicker Man uh this weekend. Where did you find it? I I, I can't find this movie. <clears throat> I made the mistake of renting it for uh, $3. Wow. You were that And uh Wicker because Man. it's a movie that I always wanted to see because of how terrible everyone says it is and I wanted to make my own opinion and I just wanted to laugh at uh terrible at a terrible movie. Yeah. Uh but halfway through I was like I'll switch to color out of space. <laughs> the only thing it, i know is that whole yeah. part when he's screaming about bees but i don't know i feel like that, that's near the end i think bees. because oh, like that's before he you know i haven't seen the movie but spoilers he dies at the end because <laughs> ah. like it's sort of established near the beginning because he kills a bee with a cup or something and then one of the culty pe- thing is like i feel like midsummer is a better version of wicker man Ah, uh, okay, Because it's a similar vibe, except it's on an island instead of, you know, the middle of Sweden. Yeah. Uh, it's a similar vibe because they have the May Queen and, uh, you know, all that stuff. Like, oh, you know, the island is cursed or our crops haven't grown and, uh, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And Nick Cage kills a bee at the beginning. I'm allergic. <laughs> and, um, you know, the, the barmaid uh, or the owner of the bar goes like, why would you do something like that? Die. And then no, and it's like, die. <laughs> die under my cup. Uh, but uh, it's so convoluted, like even from the beginning. And I've seen, I was fascinated by why did they make this movie? And I saw, because it's a remake of a movie that has like a cult following from the 1970s. Uh, and uh also called the wicker man uh and they had the guy who plays saruman in there uh what's his oh, christopher name lee. yeah christopher lee he plays the the head of the of the cult of the island mm-hmm. lord summer isle or something like that and uh you know it and they they seem very serious about the movie like they had interviews with nick cage and the director and i guess this was before it was released right yeah. so you know it's like yeah you know trying to do this and that it's like the movie doesn't make you know they that there's such a thing and you know listeners maybe this is something new uh there's some there's such a thing or such a, a tool named uh as i think it's called uh i think it's Chekhov's gun i think that's mm-hmm. his name and uh yeah yeah and and uh, Chekhov's gun is essentially if you're gonna include something in your story you should 
it should serve a purpose later on. So I think the the exact example from Chekhov, or I believe it's Chekhov, it might be another Russian author, uh, is uh, you see a gun at the beginning of a play, and by the end of the play or the story, the main character kills himself with a gun or something like that. So it you know everything has to overshadow something else, has to foreshadow something else that's going to come later on in the story. And in Wicker Man, uh, like Nick Cage is a you know, motorcycle cop, and uh, he's riding behind this car, and uh, some girl throws out her doll from the window. So Nick Cage picks it up and uh, stops the car with his sirens and everything, and says, "Oh, here's your doll back." And uh, you know, the mother's like, "Oh, I'm so sorry, my daughter threw the doll out of the window and everything," and the daughter's like, "No, I'm not sorry," and uh, you know. Then she throws the doll again, which makes Nick Cage go on the street and uh, a truck avoids Nick Cage because he's picking up this doll off the street. And the truck, by doing so, hits the, the car with the, the girl who had thrown the doll out of the window. And they have no importance in the rest of the story, except for like, you know, hallucinations he has. And this is just like him, like his tragic backstory of having experienced that. But like that plays nothing in yeah. the movie. And then he gets this letter from an ex who left him like 10 years ago or something who tells him like, oh, my, my daughter has disappeared. Her name is Rowan and you have to come help me even though like you haven't talked for like 10 fucking years. And, uh, but like, why have that thing at the beginning with the woman and her daughter dying in the car mm-hmm. at all? Yeah. Or maybe just have, because like, and then they, they put a bunch of mysteries that mm-hmm. go nowhere. And like the whole thing with that woman with her daughter who died at the beginning of the movie, they never find out who they are because, you know, the car was unregistered. And I thought, oh, well, maybe the search for who they were will lead him to the island. But no, it's like some ex-girlfriend who (laughs) sends him a letter. I was like, hey, come here. So you totally forget about those two characters. And then I think even there's this other there's this YouTuber who made fun of it. Like there's this girl who appears in the poster for the movie. She does not appear in the movie. Like she's on the poster, but she's on the late 2000s was like a weird time for movies in general. Like that whole shtick of like, take like before, because superhero movies, we, we thought they were big and mainstream, but turns out they were just getting started. Uh, If, if you don't entirely remember the late 2000s and the turn in movies, it was, take a movie from like the seventies or the sixties and see if you can like remake it and make it better. And then over time in the span of like what, five, six years, they moved up to the eighties and then to the nineties with like total recall and stuff and Robocop. But it's like, I, I didn't, I, I can't make my own judgment on this Wicker Man, but maybe to me, it might've been the best movie of all time, but I still need to see it. But it could have been. But yeah, it's not. <laughs> yeah, all I know now is that like for a lot of movies that are made with that kind of intention, like it's it, it's almost designed to go straight to streaming. Like he is all that. It's like the latest example. It's designed to go straight to streaming. I can't really see it getting like a the theatrical like release. But something about he's all that. They actually follow Chekhov's guns rule really well because they talk like he the he in the he's all that i can't remember what his name is they talk about him being a fan of kung fu movies or something and then he comes into play later on the movie 
Right. Because he beat some guy up with his karate skills. So nothing his, plays his skills. Yeah. So you're like, oh, well, they mentioned it. And then that's the payoff. But like, you know, uh, there are parts where, I mean, I understand things coming out of nowhere and I don't mind that. Like, you know, Nick Cage and Mandy being able to forge a, you know, freaky axe out of nowhere really comes out of nowhere. And like, you don't know, okay, like, how does a lumberjack know how to create an artful axe? Uh, I mean, he he uses a chainsaw. He doesn't use an axe, right? Yeah. Uh, but but even then, he he he's not a you know a blacksmith. Yeah. I mean, in some movies, there's like an over the topness that like allows it to go yeah. into that. Mandy was probably one of those. The fact that they even hired Nicolas Cage is like played into mm. you know the payoff that was the last half hour of that movie and stuff. But I would I would completely like argue that, you know, back in 2006 or 2007, around that time, you know, his reputation, like there were people that said he was weird and stuff, but the reputation he has now because of the internet did, like didn't exist. So mm -hmm. because of that, you're still expected to kind of make like a straightforward movie. You're yeah. still expected to have some sort of quality even with him in it. Yeah, I think like Nick... Nicholas Cage is such a prolific actor like there's so many movies he's been in some are some are going to be duds some are yeah. going to be great movies like Mandy um or you know even Colorado Space I I don't think Colorado Space is that as good as Mandy yeah um but uh yeah I mean that but he's still going to be Nick Cage you know it, he's one of those guys he's kind of like Bill Murray you know you know he's Bill Murray in a movie yeah. <laughs> even though you know it's bill murray but like oh that's bill murray like that yeah. you know that's the thing that you see like that is the thought in your mind it's like oh he's not the head of the hotel of whatever no he's that's bill murray uh and uh nick cage yeah. you're like well they just killed nick cage's wife nick cage should destroy those people <laughs> yeah and <laughs> uh, well I think Nick Cage has had such a huge history that you sort of buy whatever role he's in now. I'm yeah. just sort of used to him being whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> could have been a good Doctor Strange. Like, he could have been, yeah. He, he was in the running, right? <laughs> I think he was. Or they wanted to bring Ghost Rider back. I have no idea. But, like, <laughs> but there are rumors that the next Ghost Rider, I mean, internet rumors that maybe the next one uh, will be Keanu Reeves. Or something because like Keanu Reeves has yeah. been in talks with Marvel for a while and I don't think he's ever they've ever decided on the character but I don't know I think it's mostly fans want that to happen like he, yeah. they want him to be uh the next Johnny Blaze well what I'm starting to see happen is that because the MCU style is getting so big whereas like they can choose a huge actor or not if they want to but it's like basically based on the fact that it's a Marvel movie and there's a certain aesthetic yeah. in here and a and that basically the universe is the main event, keeping up with the universe. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a, a weird shift back towards like original ideas and big actors attached. Yeah, dude. It's going to start yeah. going back the other way more and more. Did you see this week's uh, What If? Uh, I didn't see it, but I saw a meme that said episode one, what if? Episode eight, what the F? Yeah, exactly. It's sort of like, what if Ultron won, essentially? Yeah. And then everything that follows that. So it's like, what if Ultron managed to turn, you know, Vision's body into his body? Yeah. And then he's he's just like OP, like overpowered. 
as hell. Well, that's depressing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's sort of like, you know, how Thanos destroys the Hulk at the beginning of Infinity War? Yeah. Like, uh, Ultron, ex- like, cuts Thanos in half mm-hmm. with the Mind Stone. Yeah. And just, and this is a Thanos with, like, the five other gems or the five other infinity stones and just like oh interesting and they just like slices the guy yeah <laughs> it's like mm, give me the give me those gems yeah. and uh then he becomes aware of the watcher yeah. and he becomes after he essentially kills everyone in the universe he's like my work is done and exile and alexander weeped for there were no more worlds to conquer you know kind of something like that yeah ultron weeped because there were no other people to kill and, um, you know, he discovers and he hears the Watcher saying like this, you know, the Watcher does this kind of like recap at the end of the story and that's blah, blah, blah. And then Ultron's like, who said that? I found you and that there are so many universes. Yeah. And then like, you know, and then he breaks through the wall and whatever. So like, that's how, dude, it sort of opened up the whole multiverse thing even more because Ultron is strong enough to travel through universes. And he actually kind of like, bitch slaps the watcher through like five universes <laughs> just funny. like you know he does like the superman thing where he like charges yeah. and then pushes the guy through the walls oh, that yeah. separate the universes the charge punch yeah. <laughs> the charge punch and uh you know and then the watcher seeks help from some other character that that wasn't another what if episode but i thought like th- yeah this is the most what the fuck episode yeah. and uh that was actually more fun than it was uh, like a interesting you know experiment because like every episode of what if felt like an interesting experiment yeah. and this was more like oh this actually has stakes now because <laughs> yeah. this guy's going to destroy all the universes <laughs> That's the point, yeah you know but uh, we'll see maybe a certain strange character will fight ultron perhaps if you know what I mean. Yes. By strange. <laughs> anyway, thank you fans for... It might have been played by Nicolas Cage. Yeah. <laughs> Hurry up and get into the MCU. No, DCEU, because they're like the weird the people DCEU. trying to like catch want, up or not catch yeah. up. But I want like, Nicolas Cage and the Doom Patrol to have uh, a movie together. Oh. Yeah, Brendan Fraser has a robot versus Nicolas Cage as whatever. As Nicholas Cage himself. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, thank you, fans. Thank you. Thank you, fans. And uh, where can they find us for future episodes, Raf? You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Overcast, Bullhorn, and uh, Radio Public, and a bunch of other places. And you can also find us on uh, social media. Uh, we're at What We Binge on Facebook and Instagram. That's at What We Binge. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's it for me. And that's it for me. Uh, thank you guys again. And um, as usual. Yeah.